Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. The crash is on tonight, and the young ones can go to that. If you have your Bibles, just while they go, if you would turn over to 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to read from verse uh, 13 through to 18. If you'd like to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through to verse 18. Once you're there, Amen. If you stand and we'll read God's word together tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon the reading, the public reading of your word tonight. And we ask for your anointing. And Lord, by the power of your spirit, that you, Lord, would O oh God, open hearts and open ears tonight that you would speak, Lord. No, oh God, we pray for your people, Lord, that we would be ready, that we'd be a bride prepared, ready for the coming of the Lord. Lord, for those that are not ready, we pray tonight, Lord, that the urgency of the hour would grip them by the power of your Spirit. And souls would be saved as has already been prayed. And your name be glorified. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take your seats together. Uh, tonight. Praise the Lord. The title of this message is When You See These Things, referring to the events that are unfolding uh, across the world, particularly even in current times, but not solely on just what's happening in the last couple of weeks, because we know the indication of the times and the signs of the age have been all around us now for quite uh, some years, indicating the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things that are happening in the world, across the world, the shaking of the nations, and many other things that have taken place, not just in the last few years even, but over the last generation or more, we know that we're very much approaching that great day of the Lord when He will come again. That is the promise that we have. Here in our reading tonight, the Bible says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. And then Paul says these words. He says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of the Lord. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's a moment that is a moment that is ever closer and upon us even at this time as we sit here tonight 
The coming of the Lord is upon us. And friends, tonight I want to encourage you, just for a few moments, we're going to look at God's Word, and we'll look at the teachings of Christ concerning His coming. I believe it's important if you're concerned or you're watching or seeing and thinking what actually is happening in this world, I believe we can turn to the Word of God tonight and find out the truth. The Bible tells us here that there is a day coming, a moment in time, when those which are alive and remain, it's speaking of particularly and specifically of those that know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, that they're saved, that they're born again, that they're washed in the blood, that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those that love the Lord have endured to the end who walk with God. At that moment in time when the Lord bursts through the clouds, the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ will rise first. That is the resurrection. The resurrection of those that have died in Christ is a promise that's why we have hope when we stand at graves of loved ones who have died in the Lord because we have a promise that we'll see them again, that they'll rise again in the resurrection. But not only is there a resurrection, number two, there's also a word that we use and people often say, I hear them said that it's not in the Bible. But there's a rapture of the saints. The saints are caught up. There's a resurrection and also there's a rapture. And many uh, very intelligent people will say, but there's no word of the rapture in the Bible. Well, the English word rapture is not in the Bible, but I want to tell you something. The event is. The event itself is in the Bible. If there's no resurrection, there's no rapture. And if there's a resurrection, praise the Lord, there is a rapture. The church is caught up in a moment. That word there, just in our reading tonight, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. That word caught up is the word to snatch away, the Greek word harpazo, which simply means to be taken out of this world by force. There's a supernatural moment that takes place in this world where we all shall be changed, that is, those that are saved. This mortal body will put on immortality. In a moment, we'll be caught up to meet in the Lord. We'll be changed in the twinkling, even of an eye. We'll be changed in a moment, and we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. Those that have died in the Lord, They'll rise first, and then we which are alive and remain are instantaneously by the power of Almighty God all across this world, from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, from those in Ukraine up in the north or the south or the east or the west. But if they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior, in a moment we're all changed and we're caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. That wonderful word, that harpazo to be caught away, we know that the the Latin word is rapio. That's where it comes from. That is where we get the word rapture from. That we are gloriously raptured and we'll meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. That's why we sing the songs that we sing. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. That the Lord's coming is soon and soon the Lord will also come. In Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 23, 1 and Mark chapter 13. There's three chapters. We're going to look at Mark 13, but these three chapters in the Gospels deal with the Olivet Discourse. That's a moment when Christ sat with the disciples on the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, just before his ascension, uh, before his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And he sat with his disciples and talked and taught them concerning the last days, the end of the world, and what will be, what will be the sign of his coming. This was in response, of course, to a statement that the Lord made to them 
as they left the great temple, Herod's temple, the temple that sat there that was, I think it took something like 46 or 48 years, something around that, to build this temple, one of the wonders of the world. And so as they came out, they were impressed with what they seen. And they looked to the Lord and they said, Lord, look at this wonderful splendor of this temple that we have built. This is your house. And the Lord turns around and says to them in Matthew 24, he, he says these words just in the open a few words, See ye not all these things? And they stopped and they looked at him and they're trying to get him to be impressed with their building. And he said, Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Immediately, if you can put yourself in the place of the disciples, they're looking at this great temple that has taken all these years to build and to raise up and the splendor of that temple, all the activity and the religious activity that went around with it. And they're trying to understand, what are you actually saying to us? This great, magnificent temple of Herod is going to be destroyed. And so they respond to the Lord in that statement, and they say these things, these three questions. Tell us, they said to him, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? There's three very simple questions that they ask the Lord. Tell us when shall these things be? What is the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Well, the Lord then begins to teach them the Olivet Discourse that is known concerning the end times, concerning what will happen to the temple, what will happen, and what are the indications of the coming of the Lord. Now, Mark chapter 13, if you would turn to it, and verse 24. Mark chapter 13 and verse 24, and I'm going to take uh, this particular chapter, but I'm going to bring in the, the other chapters as well, because there's some verses that's uh, all concerning the same teaching, but there's an emphasis and there's other things that the others would record that some don't. And so I want to bring them all in in harmony tonight. It's not a contradiction in any way. Mark 13, 24 is what it says. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. Now we're talking about the coming of the Lord that we've read in 1 Thessalonians 4. And he says the stars of heaven shall fall. The powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then they, and then shall they see the Son of Man come in the clouds with great power and great glory. And then shall he send his angels. Matthew records that it's with the sound of the trumpet, like we've read in Thessalonians, the trump of God. But here he says, then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. The angels play an vital role at that moment when they're sent into the earth to gather together the elect of God. That is all those that are saved across this planet, everyone that knows the Lord as their own and personal Savior. Verse 28 is important. It says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree when her branch is yet tender, Put it forth leaves, ye know that the summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass. That's important. He's referring to what he's already showed them and taught them. Know that it is nigh. It is even at the doors. 
Verily I say unto you that this generation, and some people take that literally, which is not literal, it's this age shall not pass away. It's very important that you're able to discern between that because then there's false teachings and doctrines come in. It's called preterism, and that is that everything has already happened and Christ has already come, but we know he hasn't. And the generation, there is also the Greek word that refers to the age shall not pass away till all these things be done. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and the hour, but of that day and the hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father only. Mark says in those days, Mark 13 and verse 24, he says in those days, he's referring to a time, a time in those days. It's immediately after a period of tribulation. Matthew records it in Matthew 24 and 29. He says immediately after the tribulation. But Luke says something slightly different. Luke says these, these things in Luke chapter 21 and 24. He says, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Then he says exactly the same as the rest say concerning the sun shall be darkened. Luke brings in another element of what Christ has taught on that day until the Gentiles, the fulfillment of the Gentiles uh, be brought in. That's important. We'll come to that in just a few moments. Then they all talk of the signs that happen in the sun and the moon and the stars a very clear, visible, supernatural, powerful indication and visible indication as Christ and the trumpet sounds burst through the clouds with all the hosts of heaven in that moment. We know that we are living in a time. In Romans chapter 8, 22, it says that the whole of creation is groaning and travailing in pain even unto this moment. The deception is the climate change people are telling us, oh, it's climate change. Something's happening in the world. But actually what is happening, and that's just a lie, that's just to get you to pay more tax and bring you into more bondage. That's all that is. But actually the earth is groaning. It is changing because it's longing for the return of the Creator. The Bible says there is a groaning in all of creation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The earth knows that he's about to come. The planet knows that he's about to come. All around us there's a change that's taking place and the world knows and the creation of God knows that he is about to come. But sadly so many people are ignorant of the coming of the Lord and so many people even within the church are asleep to this reality. He indicates his reference that there is a time in that end, that end time period. And we looked at it in Wednesday, but in Mark 13 and verse 7, Jesus said these words, and it's important throughout the teachings, and it can be difficult to discern as he referring to them as their journey would not be in winter and so forth, or is he referring to the end? And there takes a little bit of discernment in that. But here in Mark 13 and 7, Jesus said to them that you will hear of wars and Rumors of wars. But he says, don't be troubled. This will happen. There will be wars. 
There will be rumors of wars. Don't be shocked by the fact that we are witnessing tragically uh, Putin and his army rising up and trying to move in and invade Ukraine. And I don't believe that he wants to stop there. But don't be shocked by the fact that there's wars and there's rumors of wars. This is going to happen. Why will it happen? Because Jesus said it will happen. And so this has taken place. I know it's shocking for us in a world that we haven't seen any war uh, on the European soil for so many years. And you had thought that after the First and the Second World War that that would all be gone and we'd all live in peace. But the Bible clearly tells us that there's a period of time of tribulation that is going to come upon this earth. We're only seeing the beginnings, really, of what is about to happen. And that might be shocking. I'm not trying to cause people to be afraid. But if your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not to be troubled. We know these things will happen. These things must need be, Jesus said. But the end is not yet. This is not the end in the sense that these things will unfold. Then he says there in verse 8 that the nations will rise up against nation. Just like what we've witnessed in this past week, we've seen a nation rise up against another nation. He said the kingdom will be against kingdom and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places. There shall be famines and troubles. And these are what he says, Jesus said, these are the beginning the beginnings of sorrows. This is a time we know as a woman would go into labor. This is what it's referring to. There's pangs that come on the planet. There's this period of time before the coming of the Lord that takes place. Now Mark and Matthew I record a couple of things. But Luke also says that there'll be pestilence. He records that there'll be fearful sights and great signs that there will be from heaven fearful sights, things that will cause people to fear. Now, for those that know the Lord Jesus Christ and our hope is in Him, He gives us a peace that passeth understanding. We know these things will happen. That's why it's important to keep your focus on Him, to keep your heart right before Him, just to keep looking to Jesus. But Mark and Matthew record the work of what is known as false Christs and prophets false and counterfeit manifestation of the supernatural. It's a counterfeit manifestation. In Matthew 24, 24, this is what Jesus taught. He said, there will arise false Christs, false prophets that will show signs and wonders, great signs and wonders, in so much ever were possible. The reason for false teachers, for false Christs, and I know Today in this modern liberal world and even the contemporary liberal uh, church today that there is no such thing as false teachers or prophets, but there are. And they're there in their abundance. And they were there for a particular reason. They're there to deceive even the very elect if it were possible. Mark says in Mark 13 and 22, for false Christ and false prophets shall arise and show signs and wonders to seduce that's a powerful word. The seductive power of, of Satan and his host through these false teachers and false prophets in the last day is to deceive even the very elect. You turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes of it concerning uh, these seducing spirits. And he says in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last times some shall depart from the faith. 
There will be a departure from the faith. There will be an apostasy. Again, it doesn't fit into the liberal mind and the liberal church, but there is already all around us a great falling away from the faith. Movements, denominations falling into the seductive spirits. Movements that were born in the power of the Holy Ghost today, embracing same-sex marriage and so forth. Those are doctrines of devils. They're seducing spirits. And they're at work causing people already to be deceived. Friends, that's important for us to be in God's Word in prayer and to keep our eyes upon the Lord. But they will give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. This is what the Lord taught. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, and then they'll forbid to marry, and they'll command to abstain from meats. Have you ever seen a day that they do want to ban meat? They, they, want, they send it to the sea of the planet. I want to tell you, friends, this is, this is just seductive spirits. Enjoy your beef sausages with your fry on Saturday mornings. Buy an extra packet this week and make sure it's Northern Irish. <laughs> but it's, it's ridiculous. I, what is it, vegan or vegan? or I haven't. Listen, God has given it, and God says to pray over it and bless it, and God says to eat it. But this is, this is the seductive spirit that's at work. It's all around us, forbidding to marry commanding to abstain from meats which God had created to receive with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God, every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused ever be received with thanksgiving. Thank God. Did you get a nice lunch today? Praise the Lord for it. Was there a bit of meat on your plate? Praise the Lord. There was Andy anyway and a few other meat, meat lovers. Praise the Lord. This seductive spirit is rampant absolutely rampant through the land. It's rampant across the world. Doctrines of devils, false teachers, false prophets, deceiving even the very elect, if possible. Everywhere we see, every type of thought, every type of imagination. We come into an age, friends, where God's people need to be in God's Word personally and daily. Where God's people need to know God's Word that they need to be able to discern God's Word, that they need to be in fellowship with God's people. Because if you're not, what happens if you spend too much time on your own? You begin to go off because you think you're right and everyone else is wrong. And we need fellowship because you'll find out when you're in fellowship that not everyone agrees with what you think or everything agrees with what I think. But we're humble enough to be able to say we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're walking in His truth and we want everyone to make it to that glory land. So important. The simple things are the most profound things. Luke says, and I want to refer to it again because it is Matthew and Mark that talk of after those days, the days of tribulation. But Luke says something different. He brings in much more of what Christ said. In Luke chapter 21, verse 24, he said that Jerusalem shall be trodden down. That word means to be under the foot of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That's a very profound, a very profound prophecy. If you today, I would say the most viewed or the most quickened 
picture of any city in the world is probably the city of Jerusalem. If you put up the, all the nations around you and say, here's a photograph of Belfast City Hall, most people would say, where's that? Even people from Northern Ireland. But if you put up a picture of the city of Jerusalem, you'll often see straight away it's the, the Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim shrine that sat right where the temple once was. You're actually looking at the fulfillment of the prophetic word of Jesus Christ. That it will be, that particular site will be under the foot, trodden down by the Gentiles until, Jesus said, until. That's a very important word, the word until. Until what? Until the fulfillment, until the fulfillment of the Gentiles. There is a period of time where Gentiles were not Jews. We're Gentiles. We've been engrafted in by the gospel of grace. Thank God tonight that the gospel's for everyone, including you, including I. For the Jew first, then for the Gentile. We're saved tonight because of the mercy and the grace of God. And we've been engrafted in. Thank God tonight for the gospel for all people. But this is for a time. Until, Jesus said, the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And that word until is a very important word. In the Bible, we read that the disciples again talked to the Lord just prior to his ascension. If you turn over to Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, again they're talking to the Lord concerning what is about to happen. And they said, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Here we see that their concern with what is happening with Israel after the flesh, as Paul would call it, what is happening with Israel after the flesh. But we understand and we know that as he came unto his own, his own received him not, and the gospel was open to the Gentile age. We are Gentiles, but that is for a season towards the end of that Gentile age, and I know there's different thoughts on it, but there will be an opening of that blinded eye. If you turn over into Romans chapter 11, Paul, Paul explicitly reveals this truth in his teaching, referring to the teachings of Christ, of course. Romans 11:25, he said these words, For I would, brethren, that you should not be ignorant of the mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, this is Israel after the flesh, until, that word there is, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That word simply means is where we get the word terminus from or terminal from. It's a point in space or time or an end until there's the fulfillment of the Gentile age that we are brought in by the grace of God. And so he's telling us here that there is an age, that there's a time, that there's a dispensation where the Gentiles will be brought in. You know the remarkable thing? At the end of the Second World War, and as the nations, I know there's a lot of history in it, but 1948, we've seen again, it's a significant time, we've seen again that the state of Israel or the nation of Israel was reborn, but it was reborn supernaturally. After 2,000 years of not being a people that were scattered across this globe, that God would fulfill his word and gather his people again onto Israel. 
Now their hearts, they've come back in blindness. They're not saved because they're Jews. They're not saved because they go back to Israel. That does not save them. But what we're looking at is that I talked to a missionary a couple of years ago. He'd been in Israel now for something like 35, 40 years. But he said when he went there 35, 40 years ago, he could count the amount of believers nearly in one hand. 30 years later, he's saying that there is a mighty move of God now, there are literally tens of thousands of Jews that have been saved. There's Arabs and Jews that have been born again, and they worship together. He said, what has happened in a generation is remarkable. What that shows me is that God sovereignly is moving, and he's opened the eyes of the Jewish people that they would see this Christ. And God is moving. But this is only until this Gentile age is about to come to a close. Talk of a time just prior to the coming of the Lord. The last of the last days, I believe, is the correct term to understand it. The last of the last days, because the last days began 2,000 years ago. But now we're in the last of the last days. And we're told that there'll be a time of great trouble upon the earth. I want to tell you the truth tonight. I want you to know what the truth is concerning the times in which we're in. In Daniel chapter 12, if you turn back, Daniel prophesied of these days also. Daniel 12 and verse 1. He said at that time, shall Michael stand up? The great prince which standeth for the children of their people. And there shall be a time of, he says, there'll be a time of trouble. But this is what he said. I want you to listen. This time of trouble. I want you to listen carefully. He says, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. In other words, he's saying there'll be a time or a period of trouble on this earth like this world has never seen. That's why, brothers and sisters, and friends tonight who don't know the Lord in this room, I believe we're just entering into the beginnings. You might say to me, Tim, are you honestly telling us tonight that things are going to get worse? I want to tell you, friends, the truth tonight because I love you enough to tell the truth and because I need to honor God's word and honor him. We are entering into a time where everything is going to change. I don't say that to frighten you. I don't say that for people. I know there might be some and their constitution is that be fearful in some ways, but we are not to be afraid. We are not to be afraid as God's people. We have a hope. We have an anchor of the soul. We are to look up because our redemption draweth nigh. But this world is changing and it will change rapidly. There will be a time of trouble and it has not seen. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone, everyone that shall be found written in the book. There's a mighty deliverance. There's a mighty deliverance that's going to happen. The Bible says in verse 2, Many of them that sleep in the dust, Shall the earth, dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many will run to and fro. Many will run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. What an advancement of knowledge that we have today. It's remarkable. It's remarkable how we've advanced in knowledge. 
We are living in a day, the days of the prophets of which they prophesied of. You're living in these times. It may not be of interest. You might be just somewhere, just going along in life, not really concerned about many things. But I want to tell you tonight, by the power of the Spirit of God, I pray He'll awaken you to the time and to the generation you've come. Paul writes and says, know this, perilous times, he called it perilous times, perilous times shall come. He didn't say they might come. He didn't say if you get a prayer meeting to pray them away, that they'll go away. I know in the West we have a mindset that if things start to get rough, the devil's at it and we must pray them away. But I want to tell you something. There's an awful lot of things are going to happen that a prayer meeting in this planet's going to change it. They're going to happen because it is prophesied that they'll happen and the word of God shall be fulfilled. Paul says perilous times have come, will come, and now they're here. They're coming. In 2 Thessalonians, if you turn to it, and chapter 2 and verse 1, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1, Paul writes these words. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1, that you're not soon shaken in your mind, or be troubled by spirit, by word, or by letter from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Paul's writing to comfort the church, to encourage the church not to be shaken in your mind, not to be troubled in your spirit by word or by spirit or by letter from us. But let no one be deceived. Let no one be deceived. Let no one be deceived that that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there has been a dramatic falling away from the faith, particularly in the Western world in this generation. It is unrecognizable. I think sometimes when it happens over many years and we live through it, that we're nearly numb to what has happened. But there has been a dramatic falling away or a departure from the faith in these days in which we live, this, this is happening. This is happening all around us, and it has happened. And then he said these words, And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, the Antichrist. Now, there's so many views on the Antichrist. Who is the Antichrist? Who is he? And some might say, well, he's going to be from Germany. I've heard this. He's come and rise up from Germany. He'll be a German Jew. He'll be a Muslim and so forth. And there are many different views on who the Antichrist is or who he will be. But what if the Antichrist is already here? What if he's already here? Well, I wasn't thinking that time. I think it was going to be another couple of generations. You see, brothers and sisters, tonight, I believe it's right that we know God's Word. But I also believe it's right that we're very careful when it comes to some of the mysteries that are in the Word of God. 
See, I believe that the Antichrist is the papal system. So I believe that it is here. I believe that from the Word of God, from the Scriptures, that the papal system, not the particular Pope, but the system itself, is Antichrist. Some might differ, and that is absolutely fine. But if that's the case, and the departure of the faith, and the troubles and the pangs have already come, then that's why I believe, without any doubt, that the coming of the Lord could even happen before this service is over. Some things about the coming of the Lord that I want you to know. First of all, it's going to happen suddenly. In Mark 13 and verse 32, this is what it says. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, not the angels which are in heaven, not the Son, but the Father. Then he says, take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is taking a far journey, who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house comes, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly, and he finds you asleep. The coming of the Lord will happen suddenly. And what I say unto you, he says, watch. Are you awake? Are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you ready for the sudden return of the Lord? Not only will it be suddenly, it will be unexpectedly. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 43, Jesus said these words, these are the words of Jesus. Matthew 24 and 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and he would have not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, he said, be ye also ready. For in such an hour that ye think not, unexpectedly, he comes. Oh, well, I think I've got a few more years. I think maybe I'll wait till I'm older. Well, my theology in some way tells me that I've worked out the date in which he'd come. You know, some of the greatest men of Assurin last night, some of the greatest men, some great men of God, have actually sat down with all their theological insight and tried to predict the coming of the Lord. I mentioned some of them if you want. You maybe be shocked and maybe see them in a different light, so I wouldn't want to do that. But they've predicted the coming of the Lord. And friends, I want to tell you, they're long dead and the Lord still hasn't come. It's a dangerous thing to try to predict when he comes. He'll come suddenly. He'll come unexpectedly. But it's going to be a spectacular coming. I tell you, Putin's power is nothing in this, or Biden's, or all that the world can muster up with all their tanks and their weapons and their nuclear deterrence and whatever they're going to do, nothing, nothing is going to be like this. 
the greatest demonstration of power ever witnessed on this earth, on God's earth, to the vastness of this great universe that he had created, every part of his creation will be involved in his coming. The great sun will be darkened. The moon will not give her light. Stars, think of them, billions of them, will begin to fall from the skies to display the glory of his coming. What a moment it will be when all of glory and all of the heavens and the heavens display, display the coming of the Lord. It will not only be spectacular, sudden, and unexpected, but I want to tell you something too, friend. It's going to be visible. In Mark 13 and 26, it says these words, And then shall they see, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and with great glory. When they stood and seen Jesus ascend up into heaven in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why are you standing up and gazing up into heaven the same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The visible, the visible return of Christ to the earth. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. That's what we read. With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, there's a visible return of Christ. He doesn't need internet. I hear people saying, well, that's why we have internet today, so we can all see it. I want to tell you something. If the stars of heaven are falling and the sun has turned dark and the moon's not given her light, you don't need sky. The whole world in a moment will witness this glorious event of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one person will miss it. Not one, wherever you are in this planet, and whatever hole you go to hide in, you will not miss the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is visible. It is powerful. It is spectacular. It will be in a time that he tells us. He tells us it will be in a time when, as it was in the days of Noah, or in the days of Sodom, it will be in a time when men will be given in marriage to men and women to women. I know this isn't popular, but this is what we are told it will be like. The sin of Sodom will be rampant. There's never been a time when the sin of Sodom has been so rampant, not just here and there, but across most of the Western world. Never been a time where it's been like this. And then people will carry on with life, just doing what they do, getting married, giving them marriage, carrying on. They'll not be interested in the things of God. There'll be a great falling away. There'll be a great disinterest in the things of God. Could I tell you something, friends? I believe I'm living in these days today. And then we'll see the angels of heaven descend in the glory of God. And all across this world, the elect will be gathered. That's those that are saved, those that are washed in the blood, those that are born again, and will be gathered up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, how do you know when this is going to happen? 
He said, learn the parable of the fig tree. It's so simple as I close. Learn the parable of the fig tree. Let me put it in our terms for us. Has anyone seen the wee daffodils coming through? What's that a sign of? Spring. You see, when you see the daffodils, and the next time you're out in the next couple of days, if the Lord tarries, and you see those wee daffodils coming up, there's something about to happen. Spring's coming. What Jesus is saying, now learn the parable of the fig tree. When she's putting forth her leaves, you know, see, you know. You know there's something in your heart, in your spirit, you know it's near. Not only do you know it's near, but he said, so ye in like manner, when you see all these things come to pass, know that it is near. And then he said these words. He said, it's even, listen, it's even at the door. It's at the door. It's like in a physical sense as we are sitting here tonight, it's like the Lord himself is just beyond those double doors. And they're just about to swing open. And he's about to walk into this room. When you see these things, when you know, it's like he's at the door. Can I tell you, friend, I believe he's at the door. Not only those doors, the doors of time, but I believe he's at the door of someone's heart tonight. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door. Do you know what he said? He says, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Behold, he's at the door of your heart. If you don't know him tonight, he's at the door. He's at the door of time, but he's at the door of your heart. And he's knocking. And he says, if any man, any woman, older person or younger person, if you hear his voice tonight and you open the door, see, you have a responsibility. You open the door. He says, I'll come in. I'll come in. I'll sup with him and he with me. When you see all these things, it's near. It's at the door. He's about to come. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you saved tonight? Are you washed in the blood tonight? Do you walk with God? Do you know God? I'm asking you, are you saved tonight? Are you born of the Spirit? Have you repented of your sin? Have you turned away from your sin and give your life to Jesus? Now ask him to come into your heart. Open the door of your heart and invite him in. And he's come in. And thank God tonight, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. Everything becomes new. It's a new life. If you've got that new life, before you leave this place tonight, if the Lord's speaking, you hear his voice, open the door of your heart and let him in. Because he's about to come. And we need to be ready. Come or call. We need to be ready. Let's pray together tonight.